Ah, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. I do hope you're having a good day. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on episode 246, I was very lucky, privileged to have uh, Catherine Fracara on the podcast. Ah, yes, I've got to say, uh, she is the VP and Marketing and PR at Solo Secure. We were going to talk about initially uh, the new product they were going to release, but the podcast uh, took an unusual turn. It did. We talked about a lot about mental health and some of the challenges which rose up through the pandemic. We also talked about how she got sort of started in her working life. All in all, I got to say it was a fascinating conversation. Really enjoyed my time talking to her. And yeah, I look forward to most probably speaking to her in the near future. But please sit back, relax, enjoy the show. And yeah, let's go. Ha ha. Peace. <laughs> and away. Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors. Wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on episode 246, I'm very lucky, privileged to have Catherine Fakara on the podcast today. Yes, she's the VP of Marketing at, oh, wait, uh, yes, VP of Marketing at Solar Secure. How are you today, my lady? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, you know what? I'm glad you're here on this like sunny day. Like you are in Seattle. Are you experiencing sunshine right now or is it Seattle? You know what? That's a really good question because in the last day and a half or so, it's decided to change hourly. So at this current moment, I see some blue skies, but um, it will change. It'll start raining in a little bit and we'll be back to Seattle weather, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's it's one of those things what makes me smile. There's a place which has more changeable weather than us in the UK. <laughs> yeah, you guys have some unpredictable weather over there. That's, yeah, that's yes. the story. Absolutely. We do. I'm not getting on a high horse. I'm just like going... Oh, I'm, I'm glad I've got a kindred spirit who feels my pain. <laughs> well, you got to take a vacation every once in a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to ask this. You have gone from the realm of television to mm -hmm. marketing. Like, how does that journey work exactly? <laughs> I know, I really have a crazy um, past when it comes from a work perspective. And I think that's because I was um, involved very heavily in sales early on and then moved into more of a marketing back or not marketing track. But mm. the reality is from a work perspective, you know, I started out, I actually went to school for broadcasting. I really wanted to be an anchor for CNN. That was like my dream. And <laughs> this is going back a bit, but I re remember that I lost my tape. My I had a whole tape together that I worked on for a long time and was going to submit it to all these news stations so I could get my reporter job. And I lost it in college. And um, when I ended up, um, you know, going for my looking for my jobs and so forth. I really wanted to do TV and the only position open at the time was a um, sales assistant job. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to get my foot in the door and I'm just going to see if I can get this job and try that. So I did that and I just really liked it. I liked understanding the back end of how, you know, what was really making these stations run from a revenue perspective and um, the business side of it. But really when you're in television sales, you do a lot of marketing because you have to understand a variety of different industries and what their pain points are. And then how do you 
make a piece of creative really speak to a consumer and like what do those what do those cohorts look like and how do you create that creative and how do you help the you know how do you help the advertisers with that so i got really into that side of it and the creative side of it and i did that actually for i don't know 15 years and then i ran the, the sales team for a long time or a couple of years and then I um, got poached to come over to um, the game side. One of our clients was a gaming company. And so, you know, I, I was a little bit like, wow, I'm a kind of a lifer in this TV world and doing the sales thing. And but this was a marketing role and I was super interested in it. And I knew the people over there. So I, I made that change and I made that move and um, did that for a couple of years. And that was really a lot of partner marketing, overseeing digital and so forth. And gaming is such a animal of its own. I mean, that is way to be like thrown into like the fire. It's so competitive. Mm. It is because, you know, you're dealing with, and then at that point too, we were heavily PC Mac focused, but porting over to mobile. And so iOS app store was blowing up. We were really trying to figure out what that meant for us. How do we, you know, how do we change perspectives and pivot? And um, so that was like a, you know, that was a, a big learning experience for me, but I really enjoyed that. And, and I realized how much I really liked marketing. And so I've kind of throughout that and have, you know, joined different startups and stuff and stayed kind of on the marketing side, but really, and, you know, for where we are now, um, I am, you know, I'm, I'm running the marketing, but I'm also, because I have so much experience with sales and wholesale and so forth, I have my hand in that too. So I'm kind of running sales and marketing and PR. And so I think all of the, you know, the different experience that I've had have like really brought me to this like one comprehensive approach that I'm able to bring to what we're doing now. And I'm really excited with, with what we're doing because it's so innovative and it's, it's so unique. And um, I think really what is so important to do when you're um, finding, when you're working is like finding something that you really love, right? So you don't feel like you work a day in your life, right? So, and yeah. I think now, I mean, I'm really lucky. I'm really fortunate that I found an amazing group of people that, you know, everybody's working to just the greater good. Like we're really into like, you know, safety and how do we keep people safe and how do we use technology so that, you know, every person, no matter what your socioeconomic path is, no matter, you know, your skin color, it doesn't matter. You have a human, a basic human right to feel safe in this world. And so what we're doing now is creating those tools that allow you to do so. So, um, so yeah, I feel super lucky and I'm really happy. I, I hear you. And like, you are jumping, uh, you're jumping quite quickly through, but like, this is the thing I have to take you back because like, this is the thing you have seen some real big changes, uh, over the course of time. Uh, not that you're like, not that your appearance gives away anything of the sort uh, because like, yeah, <laughs> That's good. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true. Because like, this is the thing, like you go television, right? Now, television broadcasting back, back in the day. Now, when you say I had a tape, which I've lost. Now, that, like for some people out there, like going, a tape? What's a tape? That's a loss? It's like going, you mean? What's a beta tape? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But like, yeah, to go go into the tele like broadcasting industry and sort of see like how the sort of mechanics of that works, like, and see how that sort of changed over the course of time because you're you were there when okay the internet came along, huh, the internet yeah. that that's yeah. a silly fad. No one's gonna pay attention to that. To when it sort of was like ah. Oh, Oh, the internet. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I actually remember being in my cubicle and we did not have internet at our computers. Like there was no, there was no internet. You, we had one, 
one spot where you could like dial on. I think it was like through um, uh, AOL and you would like, you know, that's how you could get online. But, um, and I don't know how you did, we did our jobs without any of that. We did have email, but, um, but you know, it's, and I think television has changed quite a bit and I don't, I haven't, I've been out of it for so long, but what I do recall being so interesting is, you know, you watch television, you watch these commercials, you watch your shows, but really the, the behind the scenes on all of that and what makes a station run, what makes a network run, you know, the importance of local versus national revenue and what the cut of the station gets and how they really run the stations. And then the separation of news and sales, like that was a big eye opener for me too, right? Like, you know, I'm working with, you know, for, for a TV sales team, when you've got, you know, maybe 15 account executives and they're working with all of a mix between these local advertisers that are trying to advertise their message to the local market. Um, and then you've got a national team that works with the advertisers that are, that are advertising nationally. So you have two buckets, right? And those two teams fight for the same inventory, right? So you've got a pod of local inventory that you have access to, and you're you're trying to get the highest rate for it, but yet you're trying to do right by your customer because likely from a consumer or from the customer's perspective, they're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, what's my ROI on the spend? So, you know, they're going to calculate, this is how much my CAC is. If I'm going to go after this cohort and like what, you know, how do I then create a budget going forward? So if you're at like a, if you've got customers that are like, I can't pay more than this for this spot. And this comes out to this CPM and you're fighting and not fighting internally, but you're negotiating internally with other you know, advertisers that are being represented by other account executives who have clients that want to spend a little bit more than you do. And then you get preempted out of that spot. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of moving parts, right? Mm -hmm. So, so there's definitely a, um, there's definitely a, you know, try, you know, from an internal perspective, like you want to do right by the client, you want to do right by your station, getting the revenue and you want to, you know, be able to, you know, to make the station money. So, um, and then if you look at, so that's the sales team. And then you have the news team, right? And this news team is responsible for giving the consumer um, the best, you know, news in the quickest way. And sometimes that impacts you as a, as a client. So like I might have a car dealer that got in trouble for doing something negative with insurance or something like that. So then you've got news that might come in and do a story on my client, right? So they do a story (laughs) on my client, my client gets pissed, they pull their revenue, they take it to another station. I mean, stuff like that happens all the time, right? Mm. So so that's always interesting, like when you really understand like the, you know, the, the, the back end of the of how those things work and, you know, from a business perspective. Um, but what's really neat about that and why I thought that was a great place to start my career yeah. was because I really learned about, um, you know, I worked with plumbers. I worked with car dealerships. I worked with political candidates. I worked with um, insurance brokers. I mean, I don't know, tons and tons and tons of different industries. And so you really do get to understand, you know, the variety of um, pain points for different industries and like how they work and how people think. And so I think I took a lot of what I saw, how I saw people run their businesses, because you're dealing a lot with these business owners. And so I really had the opportunity to take a lot of the insights that I would glean just from, you know, being around them and meeting them and, and making that part of how I approach my business. And so I'm, I'm actually, you know, really fortunate. I got to do something like that. And back in the day too, I mean, TV was like the main vehicle, right? Like, right. There was no fragmentation of media. There was no Netflix and Hulu and, you know, that stuff didn't really exist. And right now I think 
Today, it's just a very different landscape. So that opportunity to have that kind of touch point with those customers who are you're spending a lot of time with because they're spending a lot of money because you actually have the vehicle that's going to reach the most amount of people. That's just not the case anymore. So it's so different now. But yeah, we had I remember going and driving and picking up physical tapes that we would bring back to master control and that's what the spots would be on. And now every, you know, everything's digital and so forth. So very, very different, different landscape, but, but it was a good, um, it was a good way to like get in there, very grassroots approach to, to working, I feel like. And um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I must, I must admit, like I can imagine what TV now and TV back then, because like, this is the thing TV now, depending where you are, if you're looking at your Netflix, your Disney Pluses, um, like your Hulu, everything like this, it's not some, like the advertising doesn't exist on some of the platforms or whatsoever. And it's all down to a subscription basis. Like, uh, what would you say would, like you would say a great sort of lesson you picked up from then back in your TV days? Like, what was one of the things which went, you know what, I get this. I, I wouldn't have got this if you were like the anchor in front of the TV camera, like, and hello, this right. is <laughs> like, yeah. right. right. You know, I think that um, that's a good question. Um, what was like an aha moment for me? Um, I think from like, a, from the perspective of like doing what you love, I think mm. that was a big, because I, I, it was hard for me to come in from on the sales side when I really wanted to be a reporter. Yeah. And I remember seeing these in some of my friends were reporters and how hard of a life that they had, right? Like getting up at 4 a.m., driving an hour, try, it's pouring rain. Getting, and I'm like, oh, that is kind of difficult. And some of them liked it and some of them didn't. And so, mm-hmm. um, and, and you can see it in a person's soul, like their energy that radiates, like if they're not doing something they love, right? So I really was like trying to make sure I double down on what is it I like about what I'm doing and what do I want to take with me? And one thing I learned about um, TV and what I think is interesting in the advertising world right now is that the psychology behind what makes people buy things or what makes people engage with something, right? It's like sight, sound, motion, and emotion. It's the same thing when you're having a conversation with a person. So Mm -hmm. like, what's going to make me engage with you right now? I can see you, I can hear you, you know, I can't touch you because we're on a screen, but in your relationships in life, right? This is how people communicate with each other. And so I just think, and it's interesting to me that, you know, when you're trying to convey a message, because all sales is, or all advertising is, is a transfer of enthusiasm of whatever it is you're talking about, right? So it's like, I'm just, and, and I think this relates to whether you're selling something or talking to someone or having a relationship or a conversation, like in any part of your life, right? So it, it's almost like, okay, you know, these are the five things that really, this is how people communicate. And so, you know, this is how people have relationships. And so as the digital, as the landscape has changed from an advertising perspective too, and I know I'm wrapping in like two different thoughts in one, but, (laughs) you know, like bringing that into the way that it is now, which is so digitally focused. And now you have Facebook ads and Instagram ads, and it's not the same. The communication platform has changed so much for you to be able to convey that same message and talk to people the same way. And consumers at the same time are are receiving messages in a different way, but it's not the same Mm. as it was back in the day when you actually had people were watching these commercials and you had these like mini 30 second 
you know, commercials to watch to really get engaged in something and really make a decision if you're going to buy something or not. And I think it still comes down to like that human interaction because it was the most representative of how you actually communicate with people and how you talk to people. And I think that I learned that being on early on, being on the sales side, not getting that reporter role. And I think that has been something, a learning lesson I've actually taken with me um, throughout my career because it impacts how I put creative together or how I talk to customers or how, you know, when, when we're approaching, like, what's the kind of message? Like, I'm stripped down now. I don't have the opportunity to give you a 30-second commercial and, like, give you a mini movie. But now it's like I have this little Instagram ad I can do. And, like, how do I do that? And now it's got to be quick and catchy. And, you know, it's like I've had to strip down the way that I would normally communicate to try and engage you. And it's just unfortunate because it's changed the concept of how human interaction really works so mm. yeah no, no. <laughs> it took you a little while <laughs> no like this is the thing i love your passion for it like the subject matter it's like yeah it's not one of those things where you're just doing the job and you're just doing the paint by numbers you really have got like yeah you've gone full in full it full native as they say because it would be easy easy to look at your friends who are going up and down the country where sometimes at the 4am or sometimes like at like close to midnight or whenever that breaking news is uh to like go you know what i should be doing what you're doing <laughs> and that's like why am i not there but you went right. oh, no, i've embraced this and gone with it and like i like the whole thing with regards to like marketing advertising sales with regards to sort of broadcast, because like in this day and age, in this digital age we live in right now, like you can target someone so effectively with a marketing campaign, but you sort of kind of lose something with that sort of targeting because, okay, um, for example, the Budweiser ads, the whole what's up, like in the sort of nineties, drew together like people all over the place, but, if you went advertise that on an individual basis, it might be more missed than hit, but it was like this collective, <coughs> I get that, where now it'll be like, it's very tailored to you, but you're not getting that sort of collective, like, hey, you remember that advert? And like, hey, being in America, you should know more so with the Super Bowl ads, which come out right. each and every right. year. Yep. And really, that's what it's come down to now. It's like all those what used to be these, you know, ad campaigns that could create that kind of um, community with everyone going, what's up, what's up? Yeah, you yeah. can't create that on an individualized basis when you're just getting targeted online, right? Mm. But, the, but the Super Bowl can do that. And unfortunately, you have to pay millions and millions of dollars for one shot at that and hope that people remember it and hope you make it on the Today Show the next morning for the Super Bowl review. But, um, but yeah, it's just a very different landscape. Yeah. So like this is Bing. Now, with that, you went, hey, you know what? Gaming. Now that is <laughs> now that is like, okay, let's just say when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars to like, develop like a like a a grade aid game uh, to like, yeah, maybe a few thousand, but the market of attention in that realm is bonkers. <laughs> like what like you mentioned you got into gaming, the gaming side of things, and sort of the transfer over to mobile gaming as well. Like, yeah. what was the sort of two differences between, like, the regular gaming and the sort of mobile gaming? Oh, yeah. Gaming is such a such an interesting 
beast. Um, so we were, um, I went to Big Fish. Big Fish was a, a mobile or a casual gaming company. Uh, we made amazing games and we made games that initially were on um, PC Mac that were um, long form games that you would play like hidden object games. And you, you know, you would, you could buy them, buy CDs of them, or you could play them on Facebook, um, games like that. And then as we started to grow, uh, this, we really started to create these studios within the gaming studio. And so yeah. those individual studios were responsible for different genres of games. So then we ended up having a free to play team. We had a, um, a match three team. I'm trying to go back in my gaming days and remember all these things. <laughs> uh, we had a casino team. And, you know, uh, so because, because gaming started to grow so quickly within once Apple really released the app store and put a lot of attention into that. And so that's when like the port to mobile happened. And that's when we split up into these different studios. And it takes a long time to make a really good game. You know, we had a couple of teams where a couple of games that we created in house and that could take over a year to make a really good game. And then there were some where we contracted with dev developers all over the world. Um, like we worked with a great developer to make Gummy Drop and Gummy Drop was a match three game, which was a um, very successful game. And so um, one of many that we had. And so um, so we had two different business approaches that we that we took to that. And one of our the most successful division of our company was actually casino gaming. And so we had a virtual casino game and essentially you download the app and you would and it was interesting, the psychology behind why people played virtual casino, why they play virtual casino games, because mm. you're essentially buying a spot at the table. So you can play craps, blackjack, roulette, whatever it is you want to play, but you're not winning any real money. So you're, you're paying to be there and you you're winning in virtual currency. So it's like, what's the motivation for somebody to do this? Is it that they yeah. just want to win or, but really the psychology behind that was that they, they developed relationships. So what would happen is it was almost like the social, it was a, a a social movement inside this casino app. And so people would start connecting with each other. You'd sit down at a blackjack table virtually and mm -hmm. you would have your avatar up there, who you were, and then you could chat with other people. And so um, that was really what grew that genre. I mean, the casino, virtual casino in the app stores right now is probably their, that's probably the highest generating revenue for um, in the gaming category, hands down. If you ask anybody at Apple, or you can probably Google it, right? Um, but people would, we would, you know, we'd see millions of dollars coming in on a very regular basis for people who just wanted to sit there and they made friends. We had people that made, that got married because they met inside the app. We had, we would get invited to weddings. Like we had three weddings in one year of people who got married inside the app they met each other and i mean and then there was like friends groups they'd go to vegas together once a year they practice together in the app it was you know it's a very um very connecting for people but at the same time i think the downside of that was it's also quite addicting and you had a lot of people that you know spent money they didn't have in there and um, I think that it, that's a really tricky place to be as a developer, as like a game studio to be like, what's your role in that? You know, we had people calling us saying, please shut my account down because I'm too, I'm, I'm just too addicted to this. And I, I really struggled with that because I just felt like at the end of the day, like what, you know, how are you making the world a better place? How are you making yourself a better person? Like if you're, you know, you're spending all this time engaging this, it's great that you're making these connections, but you're living inside your house in this whole, like, 
you know, we're not meant to, you know, I think we're meant to go do things and engage with people and be in front of people and not, you know, on your, in your, on your computer all the time, because you'd see the gameplay, the hours, the time spent per user was like going up and up. And it was, it was extensive. It was too much. So, um, that was, that was definitely like, there's the dark side of that, of that side, but from a revenue perspective and running a business, you know, we, um, we created commercial campaigns. I did that actually. I went down, um, to LA and we went and, you know, casted for these big commercials we did. And we created a big, um, a big commercial campaign around people meeting each other inside the app and, um, what life inside, you know, big fish casino was. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, we created lots of different, you know, variations of that. And, and that was a, a fun time to be able to do those things. But I think after that, when I realized like how many people were really getting sucked in on the negative side, I was like, oh, I think it's time to mm. look something else, you know, to do something that you feel proud of that you feel like when you're, you know, you're working somewhere that people are really, you know, that you're doing something good in the world. And so, yeah, no, because I was going to ask, because there was a moment where you were talking about it. it you seem to like choke up slightly uh, that it was like a, like a hard moment. Like, was it kind of like an ethical awakening for you? What you do in your sort of Yeah, work? I mean, I have two boys, right? I have a 10 and a 13 year old. And so they're very aware of what I do. And so, you know, and I talk about work all the time with them. I, you know, I remember growing up hearing my, you know, my dad talk about work and he was such a hard worker and you know, I, and he was very successful. And so I think I had a little bit of a benchmark of that. And I want my kids to have that too. You know, they've got, um, you know, a pretty good, easy life, but like they, it doesn't come without, you know, somebody providing for them. Right. So, you know, I definitely, um, you know, want to have those, those conversations with them about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And Mm. I, I think I had a little bit of, I struggled with that when we were making the commercials, I remember, cause they were like, well, what commercial are you making? And what do you, and I was like, how do I really explain? I don't want them playing. Yeah. I don't want them playing casino. So why am I doing this? Right. So I think I had a little bit of, um, a, a aha moment there and just was like, okay, I want to be proud of what I'm doing and be able to explain it to them and not feel like I'm doing this, but I don't want you to do that, you know, or, yeah. you know, I'm, engaged in this but I don't want you to like you guys play games all that they're you know they love video games but I'm like oh I don't ever want you to be on that game you know like so I just yeah I had to I ha- I think about that now like all the time like if I'm doing something I I want to feel like I can explain it to them and that they're proud of that too so mm. so would you say in with regards to what well, going forward from that job you were like going you looked to places where it was like okay who am I like who am I going to be how is it going to help represent myself uh, to your sons on uh, like on a day-to-day basis or for yourself looking in yeah. the mirror, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think moving forward from that, it's also like, okay, where, um, yeah, what, what is the right place for that? And then how do I make sure that I'm continuing to grow and, mm. um, you know, continuing to learn? And I've had such, such different experiences with different companies. And so I, I, I have grown in so many different ways, but I was very picky from then on out. Like I wasn't going to be in that, you know, be in that role again. So, and, and I haven't been, I mean, I worked with a couple different startups that um, were, were really fun and also had like an edge to them where they were really trying to do really good things. Um, CrowdCow is a company that um, great company. And what they do is it's a platform that connects local farmers 
to consumers so that you have full transparency into the meat that you're eating. So if you, you know, instead of it, it's amazing, you go to the grocery store and you just don't think about buying, you know, picking up a package of meat. But if you don't have the farm on there, if you don't know who the farmer was that actually, you know, provided that meat, then you have no idea what's in there. I mean, you can have, you could have like 20 different cows from five different countries that ate who knows what that went to a slaughterhouse because the USDA doesn't need to tell you where it, if it was brought to the US, that's all that they really care about. They don't really need to tell you where it came from or what these cows ate. So you really have no idea what you're eating, right? So solving that problem was like, okay, well, we're going to be a platform that connects those farmers and ranchers to the user. So, you know, we would have these farm capsules where you would get to meet these farmers, you would know exactly what these animals were eating, how they were treated. Um, the kill method, people don't like to think about that, but you know, if you're eating meat, you should know, right? So like, there's a lot that goes into that. And I remember learning about that and being fascinated, but like how peaceful of it, you know, they make it so that the animal is not scared because if you kill an animal and they get super scared, well, what happens if they know that's happening, all the toxins, like are coming through their body and it's seeping through that meat and that's what you're eating. Right. So, you know, you shouldn't, you know, I think it's important to, to have that transparency. And so that was a really, um, that was really interesting. I think that concept of what, of what they're doing, I really, I really liked the concept of that. Um, and yeah, I think I, you know, learned a lot from, from that. That was very different, right? Like totally different coming from gaming. I was like, <laughs> I wrap my mind around that, <laughs> but it's a case of, yeah, look, from television, gaming, and now mm-hmm. you're like from, okay, farm to pretty much farm <laughs> to household, like yeah. technology company. It's yeah. like that you've like, it's one of those things you'd, how can I put it? You're not afraid to put yourself in a place of discomfort to yeah. learn those new skills. Has that always been a treat with you or is that something which has come along over the last few years? I think it's come along over the last few years. I mean, I was at that TV station for so long, like 15 years, right? Yeah. And it was hard to like make that move. And now I feel I'm, I mean, I'm definitely approached my life as like, I always think like at the end of the day, I want to like, I'm going to like be running so hard. I'm going to almost miss the grave. Like that's how, you know, like, I just want to like, I just want to live a good life. I want to have fun. I want to experience things. I want to be on an adventure. I want to learn things. So, I mean, I think you have to take risks, right? Cause else, right. you know, how else are you going to learn and grow? And, um, and so, so I think that as I've gotten older, you know, some people I think might take a different approach and be like, no, I need to be more conservative. And I'm kind of like, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like as I get older, I realize how precious time is and how, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, there's this great Andy Grammer song actually that I love called 85. And the line, the main line is I don't want to be 85 with my big house. I forget what the line is, but basically like you missed it, right? You can't take it with you. Your whip ain't going to miss you. Right. Mm. So it's like, so wipe, you know, wipe down that window, see the bigger picture. It's a great song. Right. And it's like, it's so true. And I think that's a big, you know, I, I, sometimes I hear that and I'm like, that's how I, that's how I feel like that, you know? So I think it's great to take risks. I think you can't take your life too seriously. I think you can't, you know, you just got to get up and do the right thing and hope that you're making this, you're leaving this place a better place than you found it. And that's what you teach your kids. And 
That's my approach. Uh, you know, I do like that because it sounds like it feels like your appetite for life is growing on a sort of day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year basis. And mm-hmm. um, like with with that type of appetite, and uh, like what would you say? Are you actively seeking it, like adventure, or is it a case of? If someone went, hey, I'm going to Bora Bora, like it's like, and you look at your boys and like, okay, yeah, they're in school. Or like, it's like, off to you, here you go. Yeah, that's it. That is a problem because I have a huge travel bug and I love to travel. So, and they are in school. It's kind of a bummer. And they don't like hot places. And I love to go to hot places. <laughs> so it's kind of annoying that way. But, um, but no, I think you know, on a very regular basis, I'm on a plane on the weekends, like going to see my friends or going wherever. Um, But I, you know, my appetite for adventure, I think that's come later too. Like, I think I've gone through a pretty big journey in terms of like how, I think in the beginning of my life and the beginning of my work life, I saw life very, um, I took it a little more seriously and I was much more conservative and worried and I wasn't as much of a risk taker and and, you know, I, I think in the last couple of years for two years, for whatever reason, I've just gone through a time of seeking in my life. And I found like, I'm a big meditator. I'm really intimate. In fact, I'm going to a retreat this weekend. I'm really excited about, awesome. um, yeah, I've been studying Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. I think he's fascinating. If you get a chance, you should Google him. He's amazing. And so, um, and that I feel like has really on one hand grounded me, but it's also made me feel safe in the sense that like, I'm always going to be okay. The universe has my back. Like I don't need to worry about anything. So as long as I think you just take this approach of like love and being good, love and light and being good, like you, you're going to be fine. So there's nothing in this world that can really hurt you. If you, you know, I think, you know, you just take care of yourself and you, you stay grounded. And, and that's really, I think the, I think that's where I get that from. And, but that's also increased my like idea of like, I mean, I want, I want more, I want a big life. I want more than just like whatever, you know, I'm just going to always want to do more and I'm always going to want to be more, but I, in a way that's really good for people, like in a way that's like not self-serving, but like, you know, how do you like touch other people and, and make, you know, make it, make this world better. Like, how do you do those things? And I'm, I am like on the side also like really trying to figure that out, but um, but yeah, so I think, I think meditation is just really good for anybody. I think it's, if you have, if you don't do it, you should just take 10 minutes out of your day, figure out how to get focused, calm your analytical mind and, you know, get centered. And I just think that's, it's so important. You know, there's 90,000 thoughts in your head every minute. Is that what it is? I forget <laughs> what the number is, but your analytical mind will make you crazy. Right. And so one thing I'm working on with my kids right now is like what happens when you have a negative thought, because when you have a negative thought, it actually releases a toxin in your brain. Right. And, and that impacts your body and impacts your health. And so, you know, if, if your negative thoughts can make you sick, can your positive thoughts make you well. Right. So like what I'm trying to do is really get them focused on what they think about. You know, I didn't know this when I was younger, but like, I'm like, okay, your head, you have to think of your head as like a bank and like you put money in that bank you know, then that money grows, it grows, whatever you're putting in that bank is growing. But if you have negative thoughts, think about it, that you're taking money out of the bank. And now you're going to, you know, you might be poor. So every negative thought you have, you're taking something out of that bank, taking something. And then I'm like, at the end of the day, 
I ask them, like, how'd you do today? How much money do we have in the bank? And that money is just a positive thought. How many positive thoughts did you put in your head? Like, how do you stop that like inner chatter from, you know, bringing you down and taking you down and turning that into something that's bringing you up and, you know, keeping you, even when you have a bad day. And then I'm like, they're like, well, sometimes, you know, we're in prison. They call school prison. So annoying. (laughs) I'm like, you're in prison, but you get to go to school. And you know what? The sun rose today and the grass is green and life is actually good. There is no bad day. It's your perspective and how you're looking at it. So that's a hard lesson for them to wrap their minds around. But I just keep working at it because I think it's important. And I think these are the things that as you get older, it's like, hopefully I'm the nagging voice in the back of their head that makes them think about it and, you know, changes the way they think. I think it's really important to change the way you think. Absolutely. And like, this is the thing you bring up an important point when you like, yes, you got to all like with the, all the negative thoughts which go through people's heads on a day-to-day basis, it is very easy to succumb to those negative thoughts and to like get the world framed in the standpoint of, yes, this is the way the world is. It goes in a negative fashion. And woe, like, no matter what you do, you're not going to make one bit of difference. The whole thing is, it's about finding those moments where you can have some gratitude from mm-hmm. that day to start turning things around. Because look, we live like we live in a world which can be harsh, it can be scary, it can be cold, but there's warmth, delight, wonder out there on a day-to-day basis. And when we tap into those things where we can find those moments of gratitude, can like go, even when it's the most painful moments in our lives, losing someone, being like being trapped somewhere in a situation where you don't want to be, find these moments of gratitude, find those sort of things to like go, yeah, that's right. It's like a domino effect, bit by bit by bit. And like, sometimes you've got to watch the people you have around you with regards to that. If you can have people around you as well, which have that positive mindset, that gratitude seeking mindset, that's always going to be a great fit. Like that'll be a great ally in you, for you out there in this world. And like, yeah, by all means, tell like, keep telling your sons that and they might like, oh, hey, look, I'm going to prison. Yeah, no, you're going to school to get educated. And right. yes, that might lead, you might decide to go off to college after school. You might decide to like do photography or go around the world on a big sailboat, but nevertheless, you can, it's making you smarter. Right. Hungry for that knowledge. And yeah, look to the day with a little bit of optimism, a little bit of hope a gratitude for the simple fact that yeah you ha- you are alive today you are meeting friends you are experiencing a wonderful thing called life which can so easily be snuffed out you know yep and, and people don't i think that you just you go on with your day and your life and you stay in this unconscious state mm. right And so another thing I think is so important is to how do you then take yourself out of that and be conscious throughout the day and be aware. And I think that's where, you know, once you start doing that, once you start catching yourself, like, am I aware? Do I know, do I know what am I doing? Or am I just stuck in this? Like, this is what I do every day. I get up, I grab my coffee, I go to my desk and you're not thinking about anything. You miss it. You miss everything. So, you know, trying to like stay on top of that. And I'm like a 
crazy person about that. Like, and I, and very much like, even when I'm at the gym and I'm running or something, I think about it, like, how aware am I? Like, how do I, how am I going to do today? How am I going to focus my attention to like, make sure that I'm coming out of that. And then by doing that, then I just go through my, like, oh, I'm so grateful for this. And this is, you know, I'm thankful for this. And I think that gratitude is foundational and so important. So yeah, there's just a, a lot of life lessons. I feel like I've learned in the last two years that I think have made me really excited to just go do thing. I don't know, do whatever. And it's so interesting because, you know, this working from home, you know, now that we're, you know, COVID has really changed the landscape and plus my company right now, we're all over the place. Right. So I live in zoom and, and sometimes I'm like, I struggle with it because and I think a lot of people must struggle with this. You go from like having this life of like, you get up, you go to an office, you see people, you're around people to like, you're in your home. And, you know, that can be very a lonely experience for a lot of people. And I struggled with it in the beginning. And there are still some days where I'm like, oh, I would love to like, I don't know, see someone other than my dog um, <laughs> <laughs> all day. But, um, but, you know, I think that's what put me on this journey of like, there's got to be more than life to there's there. What is life about? And like, what am I doing? And this day to day, it's got to be more than this. Right. And I always grew up with like a Christian faith and so forth, but nothing to what never have I touched on what I've touched on in the last two years with like understanding that, you know, there's just so much more and what meditation and gratitude and all of that has really, you know, done and what, how it changing your mindset and your perspective, how that really can change your life. So I'm so like, in such a good space with that. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. I think one of the things which in, in this sort of pre and post pandemic world we are kind of living in uh if you are like if people are working from home and everything like this it's the micro interactions uh throughout the day uh like put it this way like you might have like there may have been a coffee shop you frequented on a daily basis and that sort of interaction with, with say marcy whoever like whatever that person's name is and like that sort of 30 second conversation and like yeah back and forth would be yeah. sort of like little tick in the plus column uh with the realm of sort of isolation many people have like felt uh yeah, you like you're kind of lucky in some regards because your kids were older they must have been 11 and 8 right. at the start of it all yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah so with that because they're on that sort of slightly older like demographic it's like okay they will do things quite independently i look, trust me i've seen my i was recently visiting my friend and i can't wait one of her boys is 10 and the other one is i think seven possibly eight and yes they're playing Fortnite. they're just like going hey how you doing yeah off they go right yeah <laughs> yeah which is a very different proposition if they were like say yeah four years younger you know what i mean where that would be like ha ah, um which is a challenge in itself uh when the i have to ask this when the pandemic started like you say you were you're a single mother when before we started is that correct were you yeah. a single mother then or was it okay yes i have a so my partner lives um, we are separated and she lives about two miles away or yeah, two miles away. 
And so we are both, um, both very involved with the kids. So, uh, but she works, she's an audiologist. So she's outside of the home all the time. So on a daily basis, I just had the kids here. And so that was, um, that was a struggle because they were in school, sort of, they were online school, but not really because they didn't really want to do it. And I was working and I mean, that, that year and a half was a, is a blur. I don't know how I got through that. I don't know how a lot of people got through that. That was a, you know, working from home. And like, I was the only person here, but there's a lot of families that had the two, you know, both parents are working from home and the kids are in school and then the internet would go down and you're on top of each other. And, you know, it was like, I don't know what was worse having two people or one, because I'm like, you know, in between meetings, trying to make lunch, trying to make sure that they're staying on task. And, you know, it was really hard. It was, it was really hard. And so them going back to school. I mean, that year and a half was, um, like I said, I think I blocked it out. I don't have a lot of memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally understand. I get that because like, this is the thing. Um, I think people sometimes forget the value of like, not like a superficial conversation at times. It's like, you go, okay, right. The reason why Tiger King kicked off in such a way is because it was that sort of gateway drug to have that superficial conversation over the internet and everything like this and you look out look i'm a strong believer if you've got to have official conversations as well uh more so just to help clear out that sort of mental baggage you have on a day-to-day basis but mm-hmm. more times than not we always like if you sat down and went how many like how many like superficial conversations have you had on a day-to-day basis before the pandemic, you could go hundreds, thousands, yeah. to then to nothing on some days, maybe yeah. one or two. And it's one of those things where you might go, you might get distracted by the sort of mindless chatter, but it felt, made you feel connected sometimes with people over yeah. like a TV show, a film, a piece of music. But when that goes, and don't get me wrong, charming that your children are, I'm sure, uh, you can only talk about so many things if you can actually get them to talk to you at all, if you're not distracting them for some type of electronic device or something like that. I could be wrong. (laughs) No, I mean, the mental health issues that must have come out of, that have come out of COVID, I, Mm. I can imagine are more substantial than we'll actually ever know, because I think people are still dealing with it in their own ways, right? Like how, you know, then you've got the anxiety of re-emerging back into more of a social world, but so many things have shifted, right? In the Mm day-to-day businesses of people, like if you're working from home or not, but that is very true. I think those unintentional conversations, you know, now maybe you're, do people now feel more focused that they're having more intentional conversations because they're more appreciative of the fact that they get to have their life back again? I don't know. Like, I think it would be great if the perspective coming, re-emerging back into life again would be that there's more of an appreciation of the fact that now I get to go back into my, you know, my workout classes that I get to do without a mask with people. Like that's, you know, like so many things that we took for granted that we can just go into a grocery store now. We couldn't do that for two years, right? Like, so, you know, there's, or you could, but with lots of limitations, but, (laughs) you know, I think that the, it's like, hopefully what the pandemic can do is shift the perspective and, and allow people to a little bit more grace and gratitude. And I mean, cause there's only good can come from that. Right. 
versus having it being approached in any other way. And hopefully we don't ever have to experience something like that again in this lifetime, but. Mm. Yeah, no, like this is a thing. Um, I'm not too sure if it's global, but like we had a mental health week uh, last week and the key, uh, one of the key subject, well, the key subject matter was loneliness and like, yeah, people dealing with that type of loneliness and like, uh, and I think some people may not, may still be feeling that from the last two years up until this point, because like, yeah, I don't know about, I don't know about yourself, like, and I think ladies are better at that sort of keeping that communication going over guys where it's like, yes, uh, you go, like, if you went to a male friend and went, hey, when was the last time you talked to anyone? If it hadn't to do with work or anything like this, uh, a couple of days and like, yeah, Yeah. I don't think I've met many ladies which can sort of function that way. Oh, right. That's (laughs) true. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, you know, that, I think that is a tough thing. And, you know, if you go from being like I did, I was in an office and then, you know, now I'm, you know, always in the home. You do have to work at, you have to think about it. You have to make sure you're not just wearing sweatpants every day. And like, you're letting days and days and days go by where you don't leave the house or whatever you have. It has to be intentional. And then that does feel like a lot of work sometimes, but I think what I've just done is I've really focused on um, I've actually reached out to a lot of people that some friends that I just had lost touch with or hadn't talked to, but I always had a good connection with and picked up like maybe four or five of those relationships, relationships again, where now we're in constant contact, which I think is so fun because, you know, why did we lose contact in the first place? Maybe somebody moved and we just, you know, life got busy and, you know, so it just kind of takes the time to be like, okay, wait, but we had, that was a person that meant a lot to me. And like, there's no, you know, and in fact, next weekend, I'm going to go see a friend of mine that is, is from one of those where I just called her up one day and I'm like, I haven't talked to you in forever. And, you know, now we're back to contact, which is so fun. So, you know, it does take some work, right? You have to think about it. You have to be intentional about it, but I think it's important. I mean, we are made, we are made to be social people, to have connection with other people. There's research that shows you live longer if you have more people around you, right? Like, I think that's super important, but also really difficult for people who, you know, I can sit there and say that from my perspective, because I don't have, you know, the issues with that so many people now have that um, that really are challenged by that with the anxiety of it. And I was watching on some, I think it was on Facebook the other day of this one girl, she was just this young, beautiful girl. And she was like, I, she was crying and she's like, I took a shower today and no one has any idea how hard that was for me. And mm. I was just, it broke my heart because I think that, you know, good for her for actually like bringing light to it. And, you know, people were commenting on that, but like, she probably represents hundreds and hundreds of people who will never say anything about that, right. Who will just hide behind wherever they can. And, you know, it's, and won't ask for the help, but will feel so depressed and sad. And um, I just, there's a, I think that mental health crisis is so massive right now. I think it's, we don't even understand how big it is. Yeah. Like the whole thing is with regards to everything, what uh, the pandemic brought and with regards to where that sort of mental health like challenge is going, I don't think we're going to know for a good, like maybe five, 10 years, maybe even mm. longer, the sort of right. ramification which would come out of this. And mm. like, I'm like, one of the things which concerns me with regards to, if you look at the world right now, we have global inflation going out of the roof and people talking about recession, uh, like there's going to be like, 
I think there will be kind of if we do go into recession globally, there'll be a like a snapback to like, okay, you're back in the office, okay, doing this, okay, mental health. No, that's an expense we don't need to talk about yeah. right now. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not too sure it will take us in the most healthy place. I'm not trying to be depressing or anything like that. It's just like one of those things I've seen. Uh if 2008, if you want to go back there, like yeah, end of the 20th century, like with the dot-com burst, like bubble bursting, and yeah, like the recession in the 80s, where like anything which was like a program which wasn't considered necessary, yeah, went. And I think with regards to sort of mental health, mental well-being, and basically just the health of any organization with that side of things. It can't be swept under the mark, under the rug, or it's gonna like really come back and bite us one day. Yeah, yeah you know, look, they're saying we're headed for a recession right now, and so it, you know, in that being the case, then I think the best thing that we could do is be as proactive as we can, right? From mm-hmm. from all levels, but that who's whose focus is on that, right? And where does that come from, and how do we do that? And but I mean, it's. I think that we'll, we are going to see a lot of change with, you're right, there's going to be less tolerance for this, you know, hybrid working because people like it better. Like, people are, you know, they're just going to do, nope, this is how we got to streamline our expenses. And we're going to be back to this like transactional life mode. And so mm-hmm. um, definitely something that, that we should be prepared for, but it's like, how does that happen? And how does that information get translated? And, you know, what does that look like? I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be the mystery yeah. for everyone, you know? Um, yeah, but like this is the thing. I think it comes down to also like sort of personal responsibility because look, when you went, okay, yes, I called a friend. I haven't like spoken to anything like this. There is a there is a moniker of personal responsibility what needs to be acknowledged to take that up because look, don't get me wrong, uh, we all succumb to the little that those little bits of resistance which I uh, can't do it like. Uh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like one of the things I often said, if there's a friend what lives near to me or a friend what lives like far, it's easier to arrange something to go far because it's like, okay. But if it's near, it's like, yeah. yeah. Or if they fall in that near far region, it's like, right. uh, yeah. it's like oh, I can go see him next weekend. Yeah. Exactly. And then you just never do it. <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's like a friend's wedding uh same like same friend i visited with her like lads uh last week she got like i was we were in london and she got married in scotland everyone managed to make it no problem yeah. at all simple yeah lives out like lived an hour and a half away from me in london yeah it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. Other yeah. thing in the world, and it's like one of those things I kind of like go, what? <laughs> that's kind of trippy, you know. Yeah, that is kind of trippy, but that's probably very true, right? Because you're just like, well, I'm just going to make this as a destination. This is mm. I'm going to make time for this, as opposed to it impacting like a car ride or you know, just taking a whole day. Yeah, I know, I totally get it. I think that's a mindset thing too, right? Like you're just like, no, I'm just going to look at this as this like big thing I'm going to go to and take time for. But, um, but yeah, if it's next weekend, no, it might not work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So I am kind of interested, like, because, like, yes, we are in this ever-changing world, and 
you've been on the sort of uh, the forefront of marketing and everything like this. What do you think, like, can, what do you think one of the sort of main changes do you think come out of this, what you've seen recently? I mean, hopefully not everybody using a cartoon avatar for their face pages anymore, but (laughs) 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 I get a little worried. I think I've seen, unfortunately, twofold. I think that they're, you know, that you're just looking at the NFT world, which I think is, is, is great. Nothing wrong. But I think what it's representing too, is this idea of um, people hiding behind things. That's mm-hmm. what I see. Like you go on Twitter now and it's like, you know, I don't see anybody's face anymore. I just see what these different representations of things, how they want to represent themselves. And in a way, I think that's also a good thing because, you know, you have, you should be able to represent yourself however you want to represent yourself. But mm-hmm. I guess my my thing is, I just don't want to, de- to dehumanize a culture and feel like that human touch point isn't there anymore. And so you can, you know, online, you can be whoever you want to be. You can look like whatever you want. You can change your, you can edit your pictures. You can, you can be whatever sex you want. You can be whatever you identify with. Like you can be whoever, and you should be able to be whoever you want. I completely support that. Um, but I, I just hope it doesn't get to the point where we're, you know, it, it removes the human interaction that we would have and like that touch point and feeling like, okay, now that we live in this, we're used to this digital world. We're used to having conversations on zoom, you know, that's our life now. And so, but now if I can just, if I'm going to start changing everything and then who I think sometimes then you lose who in trying to be whatever you want to be, you lose who you really are. Right. Like, Mm. so you're hiding behind everything. And then, you know, the feedback loop of being really transparent with somebody and like, you know, understanding how they see you and all that. And just, I don't know, I feel like we lose a little bit of that. And I hope that's not the case, but that's what I kind of, I get concerned about, I guess. Yeah, no, I think there has been a lot of people which have decided to run from who they are uh, and basically hide themselves away. I think in this world, if it's going to like not fall into that sort of cold clinical side of things, I think people do need to sort of reconnect with themselves reconnect with who they truly are and that sometimes means asking hard questions of oneself it does like it's not going to be one of those things where I think there's going to have to be a lot of people which are going to have to get uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. where they are in their lives uh, very quickly or it will be uh, like yeah that sort of distant sort of ah this little emoji is representing who I am and yeah. not can really get close or figure out who I am because yeah. they but don't know who they are. Yeah. And like, so then it's like, do you have two different lives? Are you leading one life online and you're representing yourself one way on Twitter or whatever? And then your real life is something different. Like that's not represented on there or is, and is that what, who you're really trying to be, but you don't feel like you can be like that in your, in your actual 3d world here. Like, I don't know, but I, I see it. And I'm just like, you know, I, at the end of the day, it's like, we're all just humans and we're all, we're all connected in one way. And I think that, you know, I, I just, I think that's an important thing never to lose sight of, because this feels like it, 
I don't know. I feel like the, and I keep pointing here because that's where my monitor is, but um, <laughs> that just feels like a fragmentation of the human race in a lot of different ways that can be kind of scary down the road. So I just hope that, you know, I hope that the idea that, that there's more grace for people who can now identify with who, however they want to identify with doesn't, doesn't fragment us, but it just brings us closer together. Like that's, I think what the original intention was not, not to hide from something or run from it or try and be something different that you can, you know, continue to feel like you're in a safe environment. Not everybody does, right? Like this world is a crazy place, but, but finding those pockets where you can just maintain your, you know, your human interaction. I think that's really important. Mm, I think, yes, with regards to human interaction and basically dealing with, uh, how can I say, this colorful world of ours uh, with all of its topsies and turvies, which go on on a daily basis. I think if people like, like in many respects, stop lying to themselves about who they are, because I'm a strong believer that most people, really people who are really in touch with themselves, they get to know around about Ooh, 40% of who they are as a character, as a person dealing mm-hmm. with the day-to-day. If you meet someone who goes, I know who I am 100%, I've said this before, yeah, they have, you got to go, okay, yeah, what darkness have you seen? Uh, in, like across that, because you can't know your whole self unless if you've gone through a whole gambit of experiences which have mm-hmm. challenged you on a, a day-to-day basis some good things and some bad things. And like people like, oh, well, you can't have one without the other. If you only had good, you never know when a crisis comes up, how you're going to be. And if you've only had bad, you never know what, how you're going to be when you do have that opportunity to sit down and breathe. And without those things, you can never go, yeah, I have a handle of who I am. Yeah, I have a handle of what needs to be done on that day-to-day basis, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And it's kind of like getting to know yourself in different situations. And, Mm. you know, can you preemptively say, if I'm in this situation and this happened, like, how would I handle it? I think that's a hard question for people to really answer, Um, but probably a really good question to ask because, you know, that is how you get to know yourself and like how you can, you know, what expectations do you have for yourself? Like what, how do you observe your behavior? I mean, I think it'd be interesting to take a day and be like, okay, what do I think of me? I just watched myself all day. I mean, I sat as an observer in my mind and watched myself throughout my day. And like, you know, how did I do? How did you handle, like, you just dealt with that situation. Like, should I have dealt with it in that way? Or could I have figured out a different way? I think it's just interesting to just find different ways that you do get to know yourself that way so that you understand how to handle a variety of different situations. But it is also true too. Like those people that have not had to deal with any kind of loss or death or like anything that's would be considered a hardship, like, you know, do they know themselves as well and how to, you know, be in, if they were impacted, like, would they even know how to respond? I don't know. I mean, I've had both sides. Like, I've, I've had great things. I've had hard things. I've had loss. I've had all of those things. Right. I think most people do in their, in their lifetimes. And I would, handle them completely different today, you know, as the person I am today than I would have, you know, when, when I was a 19 year old girl or (laughs) went through my 20, whatever. Right. Like, I think you all, we all evolve. And I think, but I think it's also having the awareness and saying, I want to evolve and I want to know how I would handle this. And I think the first thing is just being aware and being stepping out of your subconscious and not letting that automate your life. 
that's like, I think where it all starts. I, and that's where it started for me is like, when I really understood that. And when I understood that, like, you know, I'm letting, I'm letting like the autonomical, however they say it, you know, that part of my mind run and I'm not, and I have no idea. I have no control over, I'm just, and I'm just reacting all the time. I'm just reacting to what comes to me. I'm a victim to my life. I'm just, this happened to me, that happened to me. And, you know, I mean, when I first understood, like, that's what I was doing and didn't have the awareness to like come out of that and say like, no, I get to choose. I get to choose how I respond and I don't have to respond right now. I'm aware of like, I'm in this situation, like that so much, I think control and so much, um, I think so much comes out of that. Just, you know, in terms of saying like, you're not a victim, you get to actually make these decisions and decide and nothing has to happen to you. And like, I don't know, there's just so much good that comes out of that. So just being aware and asking yourself that question on an hourly basis and, and, um, you know, making and changing your perspective. I think that's really important. Mm, mm. So I have to ask, like, with regards to changing your perspective, has there been a moment recently which has helped, like, basically you going, oh, wow, I didn't see that before? I think it comes like in micro bits. So, I mean, in my journey with all of this, I would say in the last, um, when I started really doing some like soul searching, probably when COVID started Mm. um, is when I was like, okay, there's, there's gotta be something more. And I've gone on through all these different people. I've like, you know, listened to between like understanding law of attraction, law of assumption, understanding Neville Goddard, understanding like all these, you know, all these people that I've been, you know, kind of trying to be educated from. Um, And like I said, I think my, introduction to Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and like reading his book. He has a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm-hmm. Fantastic book. Like you want to change your life. You want to change your personality. You can get it on Audible. You can download it. He's got such a great intonation and inflection. And I love listening to him and his books are not narrated by him, which is my one pet peeve. <laughs> but, um, but I know that's probably just a time commitment thing. I don't know. But um, so, but it's, it's a really good read and I think it's really eye opening. And so when I, when I read that and I understood, that's when I think I understood that so much of my life took place in my subconscious and, and I was not aware of anything going on, but that I could also change things I didn't like. And like, how, you know, how do you do that? And, you know, what is being aware really, how does that, that work? But that's, that is something you can read it and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. But then you just go back to your life. Right. You kind of, so I think it's just been taking it's just been trying to consume my mind with like, like when I'm in the car, I don't listen to the music. I don't listen to music anymore. I listen to my audiobooks. Like I'm, I'm very much like, um, you know, if I have time, like when I get up in the morning and I'm making the kids breakfast, I usually will have, you know, I, I don't even watch the news anymore. I probably should watch the news more than I, you know, more, but I, you know, I'm listening to my books on tape or I'm listening to a podcast or like, I'm, you know, it's, it's a consistent education around it because I'm just trying to flood my brain with like, the way that I want to think and the way that I want to change the way I think. So that has been changing my perspective, but it has come, it hasn't been like an over, that's not an overnight thing. I think that's Mm. you're hardwired. Your subconscious has got like a little hang on you and it is hardwired. That's who you are. Right. And there's so many different ways that people say you can change that and so forth. But I mean, I think, you know, changing your habits a little bit during the day and just being aware of what you're doing is the first step. And then just educating yourself on like what that looks like for you. I think it's different for everyone. There may be some people who are like, I want to change my perspective about this in my life and then they can do it. Like, I just wasn't one of those people. It's just taken me a long time. But, um, 
but I do see a change in me and the, and my friends see a change. And so I, that's probably the biggest feedback loop, right? Is like having those conversations where they're like, yeah, you would have handled this situation so differently last year. Like it's amazing how different, but that's just been my, my self journey of like, okay, I'm, I, I'm in this place now. I know this isn't the best place for me. I know emotionally I'm struggling. Like I'm not feeling great about myself. Like, how do I change it? And I don't want to do medication. I don't want to like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, cause COVID was really hard on me in the beginning. I was like, Whoa, what just happened? Like, I, <laughs> you know, like life kind of came crashing down. So, but I was like, I'm not going to be a victim to this. I'm going to figure this out. So, um, and that's what I did. I just went, it was just like a journey, but, and every day I feel like I see something where I'm like, Oh, okay. I have a new perspective on that. And I just, sometimes I think it's the universe going, you're doing it. You're doing it. Like, here's a little, here's a little sign. Here's a little gift. Like, keep going, keep going. I had this weird thing the other day where I was talking to somebody and, um, and it was a rainy, rainy, cold day. And they were like, you know, what do you really want to see today? It was a really interesting question. And I was like, I would love to see a butterfly. I'm not going to see a butterfly because it's pouring rain out and there are no butterflies here, but it would be awesome if like, I could just see a butterfly. So then I go on with my day. I forgot. I even said that. And I was at a hair appointment and I was um, on my phone and my son, my 10 year old texted me and he said, mom, I got you something. And I'm like, you did, what did you get me? And it was this picture. It was a, um, at school, he brought it home and it was this beautiful pink butterfly, but it was a magnet. And I was like, and this was like two hours later. And I was like, oh my God, like, I just loved that story. And I put it on my fridge. But I was like, and I looked at that, I look at that butterfly as a reminder that like, you know, there's someone's got my back and there's like, it's going to be okay. And I don't know. I just, I just thought that was so unique. And I think what's representative of that is that it wasn't a butterfly outside, like how I thought it was going to be. It came in a different form, but the feeling I got when I saw it was the same feeling. It was like, oh my God, like I loved it. So it's like, sometimes the things that we want in life don't come in the way that we want them to, but it's like, but does it evoke the same feeling? And does it make you still feel good? And I think those are the things that I see. And I'm like, and I have the same amount of gratitude for that. Mm. You see, like, I, this is what I like about you. You've like, you got this, you've tapped into this vein of hope and like, yeah, joy and optimism. Because like, this is the thing, many a person who would have had the same thought of you, like a, I would like, I would like a butterfly, an eagle, or like a panther, or what, whatnot. They would have been like, okay. And if it came in the form of a fridge magnet, a statue, or whatnot, they'll be like, um, yeah, but I, but I didn't, I didn't see it. But the universe is like, going, I, I can't give you exactly what you want right now. Right. But right. it's one of these things where I've given you a small anchor of positivity where now it's up to you whether you pick it up and run with it or discard it and I think a lot of people out there would go ahead and just discard it because Mm -hmm. it's like because everything has to be so tailor-made to what they individually want it's not a case of they're not actually thinking what they individually need in that moment in time if you get what I mean yeah, for sure. And it's not only that, I would take it one step further and say, why do they want the thing that they want? Mm. You want something usually because it makes you feel a certain way. So it, you know, it's almost like, but your, your attention is so focused on the actual thing. You miss 
you miss the opportunity for the feeling because you're just now like, oh, wait, but that's not, it, it didn't come the way I wanted it. But if you open your mind a little bit and understand really what it could represent, then you could still obtain the way that that feels. And so I think that people miss that a lot is like the focus is always on these things or like, why do you want a bigger house? Cause it makes mm-hmm. you feel like you have more space or it makes you, I mean, you do have more space, but it makes you feel better about yourself. It makes you feel good. Like makes you feel cool. makes you feel like you're in a better social circle. And it's like, there's other ways to obtain that feeling. And I do think that you obtain that feeling and those things will come, right? You're inside, create your outside. I really do believe that. So like, and there's a lot of different science around a lot of different, you know, schools of thought around that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's like at the end of the day, if like if you feel good and you can figure out how to maintain that feeling, then it, that is just going to emanate from you. Like that energy is going to come out and, and you will impact positively the people around you. And at the mm. end of the day, you can't take it with you. Right. So no. I think it's important that you, the legacy you leave is the one that came from inside you. Yeah. Because like, this is the thing, it ties back to when, like right at the beginning of our conversation where you were like, okay news anchor oh no that didn't quite work out okay salesperson and it's like okay and you picked it up and you ran with it because look you could have like kept it on that okay success is this mm-hmm. right. and just went okay i'm not successful. only this right yeah. true. i'm not as successful until this happens mm-hmm. and Years go by, decades go by, and you're like, I, it's not being six. I haven't got to this where you can have an opportunity to flourish, grow, be like truly the person who you're most probably meant to be in mm. this different area. Only if you ran with it, but it's a case of many people just need to know what to run with, and sometimes it's not the very thing you think you should be running with. Yeah. Yes, I think that's a true story. you are a delight and a joy to talk to i have to say yeah thank you You as well oh you're most kind most kind i was fishing for the compliment (laughs) (laughs) yeah so with this like where not so much where you see yourself in the next few years like where do you think your exciting journey is going to take you in the say the next few years oh god i wish i knew that answer because i know that's i feel like i feel a change is coming i don't know what that means or what that looks like and um i honestly don't know but what i do know is that i am going to just be open and i am going to maintain the the course in the sense that you know i'm I love what I do. I'm going to do that every day. I'm going to do that the best I can. I'm going to continue to be a seeker and continue to really focus on, on leaving a good legacy behind. I have made mistakes in my life, um, like most people, but I, you know, I don't think they define me. And so, um, you know, I think I'm going to be really intentional about crafting what does define me and what does that look like? And I mean, I just hope it's for the greater good and that's all I can do, but I don't know. I don't know anything else beyond that, but I'm really excited to figure out what, to find out what that is. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now I'm going to ask one last question before okay. we wrap this up. Now, 
what defines a perfect day or almost a perfect day for you? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Well, hopefully waking up in like some sunny, beautiful, like beautiful weather. I'm a big weather person. I love, I don't know. I know I live in Seattle, but I <laughs> love degrees and sunny. You know, I would say a, you know, I love to be with my friends. I love having brunch with them. I get together with them. I've got a good group of like four girls that we get together with quite a bit. Um, so spending time with them, doing something fun with my kids. Um, there's walking meditations. If you've ever done a walking meditation, they are mind blowing. Like Dr. Joe Dispenza has them on YouTube. If you want to try one for free. So if I could get one of those in, I love them. That always makes me so happy. Um, and you know, I don't know, like grabbing one of my best friends and having a really good glass of wine for dinner and going out to dinner. I love to go out to eat. So, um, anytime I can go out to like any, you know, I love restaurants and I love being able to go do that. And, um, I don't know. It sounds like it's a lot of food, sunshine, wine, my kids and meditation. <laughs> Those that's a perfect day for me. <laughs> this is like, Hey, it's all what can be done in the next like week, two weeks or a month. So I think you should arrange uh, something <laughs> like that. Get like, grab some friends together. Like, yeah. Take your kids along. Like if they don't want the heat, stick them in a room where the air can be. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically, yeah, do the walk, meditation, and yeah, share a company of great friends with a like a great glass of wine and two, and chat and laugh until the early hours of the morning. I say, yes, that's a good day. Oh, <laughs> sounds like a great day. Sounds like a fantastic day. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you, like, I've got to say, Catherine? Yes, thank you for coming on today. You have been a superstar, a legend. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed your energy and your company today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. Can you tell the lovely people how they can find you out there on these interwebs? Yeah. So I'm on, I have an open Instagram account. You can find me at, hey, it's Catherine. I ended up taking my, taking my uh, last name off there because I did get a little bit nervous with, have being so exposed and my kids and so forth, but I've cleaned it up a little bit. So, um, <laughs> there I ask. <laughs> no, no, no. Just from the perspective of like showing my street name or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then I am, um, I'm, I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me at, um, Catherine Fakara on LinkedIn. Ah, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Seek her out. Like, yes, by all means, a, a cup full of Catherine brings a little bit of joy <laughs> in everyone's life. Uh, we are launching, I will put this plug in there. So we are launching our um, first biometric ignited cell phone wallet case for the iPhone 13 Pro Max. So you'll want to go to solosecure.com and place your pre-order because um, we're getting ready to launch that in the next month. So I'm really, really, really excited about that. That's been a big passion project for my team. So we're getting ready to do that. Mm, there you go. Uh -huh. If you want a case which you can open with your fingerprint, there you go. That's the one you need. <laughs> I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, for staying with us, sticking with us till the end of this show. Please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Have a great day, guys. Yes. Peace. Ha <laughs> ha. And we are.